0: lot talk radio Good evening Welcome to the next space This is Al running solo again tonight the uh mm-hmm. partner Joe is Returning from Tucson Comic Con today. She'll be uh joining us again next week, and then we'll have uh the pair of us back together after a two week vacation. We've got quite a bit to cover tonight. Um but before we get started, a little bit of background. We've started uh Blog Talk Radio is part of Wad Media. And we have been producing several shows over the course of the last year or two, actually, and working on different things. Uh, Wad Media produces the Hey Girls show, usually on Wednesday nights. They do the live music presentation and broadcast uh, <clears throat> tonight. Wad Media presents for your listening, oh, what's the word? edification. The um, Latest news this week from space. And if you'd like to participate, we're at 646 No, I'm sorry. Uh, our call in guest call in number is 714 24251. Check us out, call in, talk with us, challenge us. We invite you to and join the conversation tonight about this week's space manned space flight related news. For the moment. Um we're going to actually jump right into the news, particularly uh because this evening three of the members of the ISS are returning home tonight. Now at four twenty seven PM Eastern Standard Time, hatches closed at the ISS with the with the Soyuz craft bringing our free, intrepid astronauts back home. It's uh, the Soyuz Expedition TMA-13M, Expedition 41 crew members, Reed Weissman, Alexander Gerst, and Soyuz Commander Maxim Suryev are are coming home tonight, and NASA television will air live coverage of the undocking and probably already beginning. at 7.15 p.m., and I'm presuming it's Eastern Standard Time, which means that was a... okay yeah, should actually be landing by now, so check out uh, nasa.gov, <clears throat> and you should be able to follow that see what's happening there. Next up, further news on uh, NASA's continuing efforts to look at 3D printing of rocket engine parts. Now, in this one, NASA's built two rocket engines with 3D printed parts, and they're modeled after the same engines that hopefully soon could be sending humans on deep space voyages beyond Earth. A particular link takes you to a video. They're showing uh, some more testing of existing uh, rockets that they've put together and so forth. Now, they've tested two rockets so far with 3D-printed injectors and produced 20,000 pounds of thrust. Definitely see some promising technology. Um, Next up, we talked in a lot of articles, uh, some speculation, but not a lot, actually. It's been kind of refreshing. And now the... uh, New Scientist has reported uh, that we have some definitive answers, finally, in that mechanism, The basically, for those of you familiar with the ship, the uh, mechanism that is designed to slow it down during reentry, avoid earlier than intended, just prior to the crash. Now they're still working to determine the cause of the accident, which killed one pilot. They're a long way for finding the root final cause, but this article shows um, and discusses with some images how they believe that a lot of it is still um, moving forward. Now, from the news that I picked up this week is... An expert has been looking at some of the material that NASA has been pushing and talking about capturing a near Earth asteroid, pulling it into Earth or, or lunar orbit, and beginning to mine the darn thing either robotically or with asteroids. But this guy suggests that nearby asteroids could be humanity's ticket to Mars. Now, as a way to get to Mars, this could save us a lot of time and a lot of effort and probably also a lot of fuel. Now, let's see. Richard Benziel planetary scientist at MIT, wrote in the journal Nature, thousands of shipping container-sized larger asteroids pass almost as close as the moon each year. Now, instead of retrieving the asteroid, right, he suggests mapping the nearly 10 million unturned space rocks more than 33 feet wide and estimates that basically, for those of you familiar with Buzz Aldrin's Mars Cycler concept, we turn these guys into cycler ships. Who the fuck? I mean, it makes sense. See, all we got to do is catch them and ride and then decelerate when we get to Mars. An interesting idea, check out the article. You'll find some very interesting reading um, Our next item is an article that what would happen to your body if you were pushed out into space now, for some people, this has been for, for most of our sci-fi movies, things like this, this has been pretty much a uh, staple of most shows. Many of you remember Outland, or check this out, Arnold Schwarzenegger's, Schwarzenegger's uh, movie where he dreamland spy goes to Mars, and we see these people getting bug-eyed and, and exploding and, and stuff like that. And so this, this particular individual created a little video, and he talks about what would happen. Now, I'm not going to give any spoilers. So watch the video, enjoy it, and um, we'll see how many of you actually keep your lunch. <laughs> Next on the blotter. Okay, Orbital Sciences, after their destructive explosion on launch pad last week, um, has now announced comprehensive plans to fulfill its contract commitments by looking to other launch companies to help them complete their, their prospects. This is actually an interesting development because, I'll tell you, um, more than likely, I mean, SpaceX is going to be on the list of those that Orbital Sciences is looking at to work with. But is SpaceX going to be willing? I don't see why not. Uh, orbital would, of course, be. <laughs> <coughs> me. Orbital will, of course, pay for that, but hopefully. Uh, the two companies can work out in order to the uh, to get the needs of both the many to satisfy uh, the ISS delivery program, which is what is most important. I mean, everybody's going to make a buck. I mean, they're companies; they're in business to make money, so that's going to be important. But it's definitely going to be a cool event uh, to see how it plays out in the various aspects of the new space environment. Now, next up on the blotter, those of you who have been following NASA and the Orion craft preparations, especially as we're coming up to uh, the test flight coming up, the spacecraft designed to be our next NASA craft to go not only into orbit but into deep space, uh, is going to be doing a webcast. From Time day, um, they're expected to take astronauts far off destination. Scheduled to fly in space for the first time on December fourth from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. More in the article talks about the craft. Uh, they talk about some of the background, some of the the pep talking that they're going through. But put that mark that uh, date on your calendar. Uh, December fourth is the currently scheduled date. Uh, definitely something to keep on the calendar and keep an eye out for. Moving on private space, Virgin Galactic is hoping to resume test flights uh in the next six months. Now Virgin Galactic, of course, many of you remember we were talking a little bit about their uh crash that just occurred. One pilot died and one pilot uh Richard Branson's company is hoping to resume test flights of the spaceship within six months uh, the NTS board is still investigating the accident but it's possible that even with that uh, they could resume uh, test flights in the next six months so definitely hopeful that they don't end up suffering a delay much like uh, the shuttle did after Challenger in Columbia but we were down for nearly two years in one of those situations now something that's a little different. Now, we know that there are cargo t- trips uh, going to the International Space Station on a, a regular basis. In and, fact, and Cygnus um, was launched, or I'm sorry, European Automated Transfer Vehicle, the ATV, uh, was launched some time ago. And just the other day, They used its rockets um, to actually move the space station out of the way of potential debris from an old Soviet satellite that collided with uh, another satellite. The HEV, what was it? Uh, Ah, there it is. Georges Lemaite came in on 27 October this year and, and <clears throat> piece of Russia's Cosmos twenty two fifty one satellite after collided and ex- and broke up after another satellite nine was included of course for the ISS. Now it's about the size of a hand and calculation so that it would pass with four kilometers. But being that four kilometers is too close to NASA and, and so forth all decided let's move the space station a little bit farther away just in And so, again, these cargo crafts that go up aren't just to deliver cargo. Um, We have to remember that they have multiple purposes. And this is a wonderful thing for NASA and the many partners to do um, in order to make sure these things work. So, uh, in the future, uh, our astronauts the 3D printing. Now, this is an article I think I've seen the subject before, but I'm going to readdress it because they're reposting something here. There's a video here. The idea is that we could be 3D printing our moon base, or for that matter, a Mars base. And with the recent Uh, improvements in 3D printing. In fact, they're now moving away from the term 3D printing and moving into one and the same, because 3D printing is adding stuff to your base, your substrate base, in order to fit the product you're looking for. A lot less waste. However, in most additive uh, manufacturing designs, it takes quite a while to print your single part. But then again, so does setting up, configuring the CNC machines and so forth, boundaries, that type of thing, plus final sanding, cleaning up, and printing and, and cleaning up of parts, and then testing and so forth for final use takes a lot of time. Keep this in mind as you think about the additive manufacturing techniques. Now, work continues to investigate the technique. Uh. Basically, it would be you'd set a robotic piece down and it would literally scoop up regolith, compress it, heat it, center it in order to create um, basically in, in this image and example, they're talking about domes for the astronauts and so forth to live with, uh, particularly on the rim of Shacklin crater. So, there's our our focus for manned spaceflight news this week. We're going to take just a couple of minutes break here. Uh, I need to get a drink. And we'll be right back. We'll go over some announcements, and we'll move on to the rest of our news for this week. We have uh, quite a, a lot. Of media runs quite a few events over the course of the month. I'm going to share with you just a few of them on k Radio. This week we've got Rear Cooper, author, will be interviewed by Patty Hallstrand. Uh, next Wednesday, the K-Girl uh, Show will be on K-WOD Radio at the Icehouse Tavern, um, Thomas Road, about 38th Street, and Thomas Road in Phoenix. Check that out. We'll be broadcasting live on that show um next uh thursday on the 20th of uh, of november we'll be meeting out at Queens to enjoy some soda pop gather around and talk about the latest in pop culture of course thanksgiving is coming up on the 27th and of course each week we start at seven o'clock for the next space show right here on k-wad radio we'll also wad media and as publishing will be out at Mesa's second friday the 14th this coming friday There will be an Avondale Writers Conference coming up on Saturday, the 15th. Also, uh, if you're going to the marketing and publishing meetup this Saturday on the 15th, uh, AZ Publishing will be there with uh, Patty, and they'll be talking about marketing and publishing uh, written works and so forth. So check out uh, A Lot of Things 28, Glendale's Jingle Bell Rockin' Night uh, will be showing up on the 6th of December, so a lot of stuff coming up folks so stay tuned and keep in touch and we'll let you know just what's going on right. moving on then tonight we're gonna to do something a little bit different. I ran into a series of articles and just fired my imagination um, we talk about manned spaceflight a lot and one of the things that we often Forget is that there are technologies being developed today that have direct relationship on one thing I want to talk about. You know, there's been a lot of, of push and so forth about um, convergence and in information and so forth. Um, and a couple of things that happened earlier this year that I just want to bring to your attention and point out. You know, we we've seen films over the years talk about all of the different ways we can communicate and do stuff and also keep track of stuff. Well, both Mac and their iOS and also Google and their Android have exciting things this year by releasing basically connectivity that allows your wearable devices to communicate or, in the case of the Apple, uh, to actually connect to your laptop. So the Apple OS lets your wearable devices connect to your computer. You can make phone calls. You can do all sorts of stuff, OS X, Yosemite, and iOS 8. give you new features, um, and when a call comes to your iPhone, call rings on your Mac. You'll get a no- notification. You can see the caller's name, number, profile picture, or you can make calls from your Mac. You can also click on a phone number you see in Contacts, calendar, Messages, spotlight, and so be aware of. Now, on the other side of the coin, for those uh, who prefer the Android and, and PC-based stuff, Android where organizes your information, suggests what you need, shows it to you before you even ask. You get messages, meeting notifications, and weather updates to clients, respond to tasks, messages and emails, like voice. ask questions like, "Will it rain?" this weekend, and get answers. Um, both companies are touting this technology. I have tested it myself, but I will say that this is an exciting new way of thinking about what we're gonna need surprise me that the i s s could use some of these things uh in addition, I mean, think about what we're gonna have to use. We don't have uh internet or wireless land on the moon, we don't have them on Mars yet, but with the satellites that we've been putting up, it, it might be possible to create these by the interoperability that Apple and Google are building between these devices. May happen by the time we get through the next year or so, when we do launch for either Mars or the moon or the capabilities between not only us here on Earth, but also with our people uh Living up in space now here's another one. Many of you and myself have watched with great interest a lot of the uh research and materials done relative to space elevators. I ran across an article just the other day talks about something relative to elevators um, and here's here's a blurb from the actual article as articles architects continue to design taller taller buildings certain limitations of elevators going to become more of a problem. Well, a lot of what we've been talking about lately are the issues, space elevator, of getting that cable, whatever it is you're going to use to lift these cars up into orbit. Well, one stage has been passed as in buildings, they've now developed a cable that can be used to lift elevators past what has been 500-meter mark or 1,600 feet. Now, this is a small step, I'll admit, but you have to acknowledge that they're using the technologies that they've been touting for space elevators now, and they're beginning to apply these into real-world applications. The rest of it talks about currently in the world's few buildings that are over 500 meters tall, passengers must transfer from one elevator line to another partway up. Now, this new lightweight material known as ultra-rope, however, elevators should now be able to travel up to a full kilometer or 3,200, almost 3,300 feet. And it's it's quite a distance, not quite, just a little over half a mile. But that's a substantial change from the original maximum of roughly 1,600 feet or 500 meters. Definitely something to be following and keeping track of as time goes on. Now, also in our related tech, one of the couple of things we're going to need and when we get to our destination is we're going to need transportation. Some of you may be old enough, most of, a lot of you are probably old enough to remember the rovers that were sent at great expense and great research effort to the moon on the Apollo uh, 14, 15, and 16 missions, or I think it was there were four missions, and through set Apollo 17. Now, these use basically a, a, a kind of a wire mesh for the tire. Now, Polaris terrain armor non pneumatic tire made its way from military vehicles consumer market on the Polaris Sportsman ATV. It's been nominated for tire technology of the year by tire to technique and technology that's actually been around a while. I mean, the article is, is a bit dated, but the thing that I got struck by has to do with the idea that this is a technology that could be used, and they're doing it on ATVs now. Do you really think these things, these tires cost millions of dollars uh, to buy it? Probably not. Why couldn't we use something like this? Well, okay, I know the answer to that. Is there outgassing issues, is it the right like rubber, last through the vacuum, will it last through radiation? These are all questions to be asked. And I encourage people to ask and research these questions and check out these things that we need to begin looking at off-the-shelf technologies instead of having to go and use highly technical, highly industrial based tools and techniques that are going to make it particularly problematic and challenging to get to. Now, this other another one speaking of shelves and off-the-shelves. Green Sense Fonts opened its doors May of this year, 2014, in Portage, Indiana. Micro and leafy leafy green, 22 hours a day, 365 days a year, a 25-foot tall carousel, while a light recipe powered by LEDs, courtesy of Royal Phillips. Now, the LEDs emit less heat than traditional fluorescent lights, allow the team to plant crops in closer proximity, and thus they can harvest more pounds of produce per square foot. And excise both sun and soil as variables because they use the uh, they're using this coconut uh, substrate instead of soil. Industrial infrastructure necessary for the hydroponics that's used down at the South America research station. Now, many of you have heard my rant in the past that hydroponics, as currently defined, is not viable for long-term stays on other celestial bodies, and it's true. You're going you to they require expensive nutrient cultures. They require Loads and loads of water, a lot of which it ends up discarded. Not to mention the fact that your lessons learned here are far more valuable at this point in time, I think, than what they're doing in in, Antarctica. It's good research, it's solid research, but as I've said before, it's engineering research, and in some cases, engineering for engineering's sake, research for research's sake, we need to step back from these huge outlays of expense and move forward with techniques and technologies that allow us to move towards permanent presence in space, on the moon, Mars, or further going forward. These are just a few of the things that I actually found this week. That, okay, moving on. Here's another one. For those of you who have been admirers of *Man* or perhaps any of the other wonderful sci-fi films we've seen, or even better yet, uh, *Luke Skywalker's Arm* from the *Star Wars* film. Check out DKM's Bluecom prosthesis because just a little while ago it got FDA approval to be delivered to the consumers. The creators nicknamed it the Blue official name is the DEKA ARM system, DECA ARM System, and it's one of the most advanced robotic processes that we built. Now, this is the first prosthetic arm approved by the FDA that translates signals from a person's muscles to perform complex tasks. Now I yeah, I really have a problem sometimes with these things when people spout this the first. Um I know that a lot of prosthesis have used muscle signals um to do certain tasks. Now it's my suspicion that what they're referring to is the ability to check out the article because they talk about some of the real unique things about this arm are first you can do complex tasks. The ability to learn to use this arm apparently is much more intuitive and much easier than some of the other prosthesis that are out there. Now, why is this indicative and important to manage space travel? Well, I'll tell you, because if this thing could be used to learn to do these kinds of complex tasks, I've seen some of the tools, uh, for example, the robot arm on the ISS, and these are these take a while to master. And if they can learn zeroing in on a cup and lifting it up or or screwing in a bolt, or complex tasks of any sorts, such as positioning, grasping, all at the same time, and this can be learned very quickly, that perhaps NASA needs to look at some of these, again, off-the-shelf technologies and techniques that are designed for the average person to use. Because quite honestly, it is my belief that in the coming years as we begin to move outward into space as a large group, we're going to need techniques and technologies that average people can use. We can't all be out there going through NASA training for years to learn to use one device. Now, Keeping that in mind, there are going to be injuries on in space, whether we want to admit it or not. And recently, uh X stat Rapid Homeostasis System was created by a company and in fact the US FDA also approved uh the X stat to be used by the US military. Right, so what's what's so special about an X stat? Well uh, and and the name doesn't really make it clear. But think about this. You're doing an EVA and those of you who watch the film Gravity can really like it. Yeah, it's raining projectiles. What's different than a projectile hitting you in a space suit or coming through the spaceship, as we've seen in many sci-fi Films, and hitting somebody, more than a hole in their gut, and not having any way to repair or at least slow the damage? Well, that's what this gunshot wound system does. High trauma situation, you have at the end. What it is it's a but It looks like it's got tablets inside. but The tablets are actually sponges that expand once they get into the wound and they start soaking up the blood. Now, what they do is they're coated with a homeostatic agent, have a radio marker attached, easier to remove later under x-ray imaging. Now, basically, these plug the wound in less than 15 seconds, allowing homeostasis and blood clotting to begin around the Sponges. Now, if you've got a catastrophic impact flow in your gut, in your arm, wherever, this is the kind of thing you're going to want in space to plug that hole. Now, if it can plug this hole in your body and reduce the bleeding out and encourage the body to clot and stop internal bleeding this quick, imagine what it can do for wounds in space. Something you could do, like the uh allergic reaction shots, I forget what they're called, that people can jam into their thighs at an instance when they're having uh, an allergy attack that's closing up their airways and they can't breathe. This type of thing could become very similar, uh, either before the loss of blood becomes far too great. So, definitely something to think about as we go forward. Now, Something else on the opportunities to participate. Um if you find an article that you think would be of value to us, send us a note. Uh Wad Media has a Facebook presence. Uh, it. the Wad.net. The Wad.net. Check it out. We're on uh, the web, we're on Facebook. Check us out there, send us a message either by their um and or through the website and we will get it. And make sure that your your suggestion for an article or an item gets included. In our opportunities to participate this week, we reiterate something that came out last week on uh AstroWatch. And if you've been to see the film Interstellar or haven't quite gotten out to see it yet, if you buy your tickets on Fandango, uh, you can get a chance to win a flight into space aboard the Lynx spacecraft built by X Corps. Not sure about the timing, the way it still works, but um, somewhere between the fall of 2016 and the fall of 2017. They're always looking for innovative ways to add value to the day movie ticket costs, tickets for consumers. And so the interstellar trip is clearly the coolest prize we've ever seen for movies over the last 14 years of uh, their company. So check that out, guys. Um, as we always talk about, the Mars Society has the Mars Desert Research Station and the Flashline Mars Arctic Research Station, places to go check out. If you check their website, they can give you uh, show you where those are. National Rover Competition, I believe. Uh, I think I saw a link this week that they've opened up the competition again for this year's uh, cycling through Mars Initiative. Uh, online transparent fundraising revenue for the Mars prize fund, Chill Suds, Brewing Fuse, cool stuff. Boy Scouts, Space Exploration, Merit Badges, and Pamphlets. Uh, Virgin Galactic Deal gave us a way to create our own little model spaceship too. And the orbiter uh, uh, free realistic space flight simulation program. Uh check our past programs for those links. Um uh, so with that, we're just about ready to close up for this week. Uh, kind of went through it lightning fast this week, but you know it's been it's been a really hectic week with the uh, all of the news surrounding explosion uh, last week. And of course, our hearts go out to the families of the two pilots of the Virgin Galactic crash. But we look forward to these investigations being wrapped up soon. We wish all the families well. And we hope you will join us next week on Blog Talk Radio and share with us the latest news of manned spaceflight as we prepare to reach for the stars by way of our solar system. Good night, all. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.